A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Rule Friesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rukens, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversations. All right, Nick. Um, All right. The clock is wound up. I'm going to set it to uh, 20 minutes. Okay. So the egg timer goes off. Uh, our conversation will come to a close for the onstage uh, edition. Okay. Welcome, Nick Bonara from Purdue University. Uh, all the way in the United States of America. Um, Nick, first question I'm going to ask you is the following. Okay. A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? No. No, I wouldn't. Um, there's, just, there's just too much at stake. There always is with everything that we do. And the last year has really shown us that, that you can't take anything for granted, that what you did yesterday, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to do that again tomorrow. And you've got to be able to, you have to position yourself in a place where you're ahead of that, understanding that change is something that happens to us. Um, as much as we need to be in control of the change that we make for our event owners, um, you can't, you, you just, there's no time and there's there's no opportunity to to not be in control of that. Awesome. I love that. Let's go to the one of the core topics of uh, design to change is all about the horizons of change, right? So mm -hmm. let me ask you this question. What is currently on your horizon of change? Uh, my current horizon of change is uh, really at the local level in, in my department. Uh, there's an expectation that we need to evolve out of where we currently are and the role that we've played for our university for the last, oh, well, probably since its inception, which uh, I think the history goes back 75 or 80 years, really. And so there's, there's a lot of history. There's a lot of tradition. And uh, in the collegiate world, tradition is everything, and it's really hard to break out of that tradition and the roles that have been assigned because of that. But uh, change happened to everybody on a global level the last 16 months. And so um, the current horizon of change for me is, is changing our department, our position in the university, uh, and what it is that we provide to our institution and how it has a far-reaching impact for uh, the success in, in whole. Yeah. So um, we can now take a, kind of a, a, a crossroads. We can either uh, take the predicted path, which is horizons of change, right? And mm -hmm. we'll have a series of questions around that. Or what we can do is spin the wheel and okay. see if uh, one of the other six come up or horizon of change might also come up. We never know. All right. Um, which, which, uh, which has your preference? Uh, let's let's spin the wheel. Let's uh, the wheel. see what happens. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's spin that wheel and see what happens. All right. Here we go. Ooh. 
processor outcome as okay. coming up here as the um, the line of questioning that we're going to choose, right? So let me open up that line of questioning. Processor outcome. This is uh, chapter three in the book, uh, Design to Change. Mm-hmm. And um, what's very interesting, you as a certified event designer are you know, extremely proficient at the process of event design because you facilitate event designs uh, as part of what you do in your role. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's, uh, let's dig into these questions a little bit, which looks to explore those two extremities. The first question we have is this one. What question will you ask to define what success looks like for the event and how it will help the event owner achieve their strategic goals? So what question will you ask to define what success looks like for the event owner? Well, I think it it's for that one. It's, it's fundamental to um, really the first some of the first steps in, in the event canvas process, which is what's the behavior change that you want. You know what what is it that you want to change out of having this event? Um, I think I think if most people who are in my role or in my position that work at a at a university were really transparent and with themselves and and uh, candid they would probably admit that most of the events that they take care of during the course of a year the event owners have no real reason why they're doing the event they probably can't even articulate why they're doing the event beyond we did it last year or it's what's expected or the person in my position before me did it so i'm doing it um and so there there's no there's no concrete meaning to what success looks like because they don't even understand why they're doing the event in the first place. And so the question really comes down to what's the behavior change that you want to see. Um, And I think that that one supersedes, you know, who the stakeholders are because you get into that first. Anyway, you really identify everybody who's involved in the event and then you decide who you're designing for, but the value and the impact and the success comes from changing behavior. And so that's really, and that's that's really the first question. It has to start from there. Is what what's the behavior change you're after? Yeah. And and do scientists or I mean, you you work at an at a at a research based university that mm-hmm. uh, obviously has a lot of very smart people. Yes. Uh, you were mentioning one of the sayings uh, before. You were saying that you know Purdue says, "What's the next giant leap?" Right? Because um, the first man that walked on the moon has a pedigree of uh, coming from the place where you <laughs> spend most of your time. Right. Um, if you now ask the second question, here, here's the second question. How does your conversation with the event owner enable you to identify the boundaries? Um, well, the answer to those questions gives you insight to what they're truly after. And once, once they understand that the event has the ability to change behavior, that that's what it is, that it isn't. A lot of times the traditional view that people have an event doesn't carry the weight or the importance of the impact that it really can have. And so by starting the conversation about what's the behavior change that you want to see out of this event, the weight of, of how important that event can be starts to sink in to the event owner and when they begin to understand wait so i can actually change some things by moving forward and and pushing forward with this event in whatever the word event means to them 
Um, that's how understanding what success means through the behavior that they want to change that starts to put up those boundaries and say, okay, this is, this is their, their limits on either side. And, and scientists and engineers especially are, are great <laughs> at, at what are those thresholds, right? Where are we comfortable moving? What are those boundaries? What we're going to define the space that we're going to move through and move in. Um, and so once they understand the weight an event can have, realize that they're going to change behavior and what that behavior that they want to see change is, then suddenly the, the barriers pop up and we say, okay, this is the space that we can move in. Yeah. So you, so you find them by testing them. It's almost like creating the little micro hypotheses, right? Of like, mm. um, and, and, and then the behaviors will pop up. I like how you said that. It's, it's almost like they, they will show up, but you know, when you reach them, you will see them, right? Right. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Let's go to the next question here, which is what question do you ask to make sure that outcomes are delivered upon? You have to you have to drive drive home to how how is that behavior change related back to the challenge or the opportunity that they're facing? Like what what's what's the reason for the event? And so the behavior change has to be tied back to um, the purpose of what they're doing, or to overcome the challenge that that they're up against, or the opportunity that's in front of them. And so the behavior change. We know behavior change is what creates the value of the event, but the behavior change has to be tied back to, of course, the initial problem that they're trying to overcome or opportunity. You know, I'm going to use those words interchangeably because I think they, they all apply and all mean the same thing, essentially. So the behavior change has to tie back into it so that it achieves that overarching aim that's above all of the stakeholders. Like what is... What is the outcome, the overarching aim that's, that drives this challenge, this opportunity? What is that? And how is this behavior change tied back into achieving that goal so that not only do you know that you've creating value out of the event, but the impact that lasts after that, um, you can measure and you know is actually moving that are moving you down the road to you know through that opportunity and, and making sure that it's uh, that we are giving back to the event owner what they were seeking in the first place yeah do you think that academics see or can look at events as a form of a series of petri dishes of small little experiments of humanity over time um in such a way or let, let me ask you this follow-up question right which is how does the design process, right? So when you design an event using a methodology like you know the, the event canvas as a mental model, how mm -hmm. does that design process enable the desired outcome within the boundaries? So if they challenge, yeah, well, you know, should you or should you not use something like that? Or can you just go ahead and do it? Uh, I think how, how the process enables the desired outcomes to like, your, your previous analogy, can they look at it like petri dishes of, you know, experiments with humanity that move things forward? And, and one of the things uh, engineering 
is the biggest college that we have at Purdue University. And so in that research space, you know, engineers, um, they always look at things in boxes, right? You know, so they've got to check off this box before they move to the next box. And, you know, it's what's challenging when we're working with engineers, especially uh, on events in the past is, you know, the way events come together, it's not always sequential. It's not this box and this box and this box. It's here and then this became available and then we've got, right, roads and, and strings going all over the place. Um, and that's challenging for engineers because like, no, before I can move on to this box, this one has to be checked off. And so this design process, how that enables the desired outcome is being able to, in a visual representation, show those researchers this is actually how we are doing the process is the research. We're doing the analysis. We're breaking things down. We're discovering who your stakeholders are, what's important for them, and how and why this event solves those problems for them, how it changes their pains to gains, and you know how we're delivering on, on the promise that helps get those jobs done and, and all of that. But being able to visually show them we are actually checking those boxes off, mm -hmm. you know, and then the mind twist comes when we get done with the analytics and jump into the creative space. And that's typically when they back up and like, just, just come and tell me what needs to happen after that. Right. Because uh, a lot of times they're with you, they're with us through the analytic, the analytical side of things, but mm -hmm. the, the creative part is, is where it gets a little interesting. Um, but mm -hmm. again, being able to show them visually what the instructional design looks like, say, okay, we're going to bring it back to this box that we checked off, which is we know what they have to learn. Now we're going to show you how we're going to teach them what they have to learn in order for that change to, to take place. And so the, the visual representation really goes back into um, kind of creating what the experiment is. So it's not, we're not leaving it to chance. We're actually following a method that's going to guarantee these outcomes if you go on this journey with us. Love that. Yeah. So in, in working with a lot of these engineers, maybe is there a, an example or something you could um, relate to the to this next and last question for the onstage part um, for process and outcome and maybe related to process and outcome thinking, right? Mm -hmm. um, how do you build rapport with the event owner to gain their trust and the event design process that you intend to use? Because they might not be familiar with what you do or how you do it, but how do you build rapport and how do you get the trust of the event owner in using a process? I think the fact that really, the fact that the process is that, it's a process aids in this in such a huge way because with the exception of the College of Liberal Arts, you know, we're dealing with scientists by and large uh, the rest of the time. And so uh, building that rapport is being able to show them this is a process. It's not something that Nick thought of. It's not just an idea in my mind, but this is the process. This is it laid out. You know, here's the visuals. Here's the, the tools that we're actually going to use to walk your event through this process. Um, and then just being transparent about the whole thing. And um, I think I think transparency with um, the scientific community and that side of a university is really important because it just it is what it is, right? Yeah. Science typically doesn't have any emotion involved in it, right? You you create a hypothesis, you test it, you find out if you're right or wrong, and if you're wrong, it's not personal, 
evidence-based, right? It's yeah. just evidence-based. It's just, okay, well, this is the outcome. Okay, great. Yeah. That's what this process does is you take it, you run the process, and then the evidence shows you what the facts are, and then you move in that direction to change that behavior. So that's, that's really the gift of this being a process, at least at a research institution, right? Is that it's a process, we can document it, we can, uh, we show the tools and we're transparent about how it works. And the end result is just the end result. Love that. Nick, thank you for very, um, very insightful because you're working in an environment that is very evidence-based and it's very uh, focused on transferring knowledge from one to the next. I see the t-shirt you're wearing actually says engage Purdue, right? Mm -hmm. um, engagement is one of the buzzwords where people are still wondering today, is engagement a process or an outcome, right? Hmm. I think many people confuse the two. Right. Um, uh, I found this a very engaging conversation, but if you want to hear the backstories and maybe some more examples, we're going to invite you to the backstage conversation, okay. which, um, which is going to happen right after this. But before we do that, Nick, there's two questions I need to ask you. The first one, as you reflect on these questions, which you did very spontaneously here, um, I'm just dropping the link to you to ask you if within a week you would be willing to uh, have a little written formulation, which we can also then share in our footer notes and uh, with other uh, users and, and event designers, event um, maybe even event owners that don't know that they're event owners um, and they can maybe dig into, you know, your mindset as to how you answer the process or out, out, um, uh, process or outcome questions that we uh, addressed just now. Um, but, and then the second question is, so um, there's a link for you. Second question is, a year from today, mm -hmm. we'd love to uh, re-invite you back to the podcast and to look at the horizon of change that you've uh, identified, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, but also maybe to reflect because events create pivotal moments if they're done with intent and with the right type of design, user-centric design. Uh, may we invite you back a year from today uh, to have a similar podcast and we will send you an invite for that. Yeah, it would be my honor, absolutely. Well, I love uh, our, our conversation. Thank you, uh, Nick. Um, since meeting in um, Indianapolis, I guess about a year and a half ago, now a little bit more, maybe two years ago. Almost two years now, yeah. Two years ago, and uh, you coming to the EDC program in San Diego subsequently, after we did a session actually with the MPI chapter in Indianapolis. Yep. Um, you were so motivated to become a certified event designer. We thank you for that enthusiasm. And um, the next step, uh, as an EDC mastermind, we're delighted to kick off the podcast with our first EDC mastermind um, candidate um, as a podcast version. So thank you, Nick, for being part of that um, ex uh, experience. And we hope that um, you will join us in the backstage area where we will have a little offstaging conversation. I look forward to it. Uh, before we do that, I'm going to run a little, um, I'm going to run our friend Anthony to tell us a little bit about the outro. Okay. This has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage. stage.